0: The following sermon is part of a series going through the Book of Philippians, and it was preached at Hope Protestant Reformed Church in Walker, Michigan. For more sermons, please visit our sermon audio page. It is our hope and prayer that this content is edifying for you. We read this evening from Philippians chapter 4. We come to the end of the Book of Philippians and the end of our series this evening, Considering verses 19 through 23, the focus will be on verse 19 and 20, but we draw from the concepts in verses 21 through 23 as well. This will be the conclusion of Philippians as well as of this series. Let's read the chapter. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Udias and beseech Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, Think on these things, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity, not that I speak in respect of want, that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all, and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you chiefly, they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. After about a year in the book of Philippians, we conclude our series of sermons this evening. Dearly beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, it has been a wonderful experience to preach through this epistle It has been wonderful to see how God's Word to the Philippians has been relevant, so relevant to us today. It has been striking to see how God in His providence not only has made it relevant, but has brought the text, the specific text that we have considered through this epistle to us at exactly the right times that we needed to hear each text I didn't plan that, but the Lord in His providence, in His wisdom, has brought that Word to address our specific needs, the doctrines that we needed to hear, the behaviors that we needed to address, and it has been truly amazing. And so, I use the language of the text tonight to express that with His Word. Through the whole book of Philippians, with His Word, He has supplied all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And having done so, He will continue to supply your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The epistle of Philippians before us and the Word of God address the problems in the church of Philippi. There were problems. We considered how there were problems of disunity. There were problems of pride. There were doctrinal errors that threatened the church. And Paul brought the necessary rebukes. He brought the necessary corrections. He brought the necessary warnings. You heard the instruction on humility. You heard the instruction on unity. You heard the instruction of how we experience justification, and that by faith alone without works. You heard the call to moderation, to joy, and the many other exhortations. You saw the godly examples which Paul gave in the book of Philippians, and the call along with those examples to follow that example that he had set. And with all those exhortations, the Spirit did not simply call the Philippians to following those exhortations. But we have heard throughout the series the promise that he would supply the strength to the Philippian church to heed those exhortations, warnings, and rebukes. And that's the tone of this conclusion as well. The same message having heard everything in the book of Philippians, heard all the lessons here, don't forget this. He will supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The context broadly includes all that has come before in the whole epistle, as we just said. All the exhortations, warnings, corrections, lessons. But the context more narrowly also is Paul's commendation of the Philippians' liberal giving. We consider that last Sunday. Paul rejoices, remember, in the fruit of the Philippians. The gospel had worked in the Philippians' hearts so that having received of God, they now were willing to give of their money, too, for the support of the gospel ministry, for the spread of that gospel. They were willing to give to Paul and even were willing to give, we saw last week, while they were suffering their own afflictions and even their own poverty. Now, as Paul thinks about the Philippians, he knows their circumstances. And he knows that they would be tempted in not having much physical things, material things, to worry. That's why he writes previously about not worrying. But here in this text, too, he assures them that God would supply not only the spiritual needs to follow the exhortations of the epistle, but he will also supply the physical needs, the material necessities, that they had. Regarding your physical needs also, he says, my God shall supply all your need. The focus this evening will be on verses 19 and 20, as I said, but we consider it along with verses 21 through 23. And you might ask, well, what is the connection between what we find there as a greeting or a saluting? Salute their children does not mean to stand like a soldier, straight up and salute, as we commonly use that term. But that means to greet, to greet. Paul greets the saints in Philippi, but he says that all, all the members of the church in Rome, where he's at, all he's in prison, that they too greet the saints in Philippi as brethren, Especially those of Caesar's household. We greet you, the Philippians. And greet, as I said, is not, not a salute. Neither is it necessarily m- or merely a hello. We talk of greeting as a hello. Hi there. It's not a shallow hello. But a greeting is a wishing of God's blessing upon others. There's the connection. With the greeting and the focus this evening, Paul is speaking of God's blessing to supply the need of all the saints. And what he says in the greeting, or the salute there in verses 21-23 through is this, Not only do I want God to bless you, but all the other saints in Rome also greet you and desire the same thing that God would bless you. And that's why he concludes more briefly at the end, verse 23, not just my God and my Savior, but our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. He expresses expresses the greeting which includes a desire of the whole church in Rome that the Philippians are blessed and that God would supply their every need Consider this blessing, this promise with me under the theme, My God shall supply all your need. The promise, the certainty, and then the purpose or the goal. The text before us is a beautiful promise of God to His church, not only to the church in Philippi, but to the church today. It is both a promise and a blessing. It's a promise which is not only written in the Bible, but is spoken by Jesus Christ to us today, which makes it a blessing that He efficaciously carries out as we receive it by faith. You can think of it, children, as a benediction. That's what it is. God shall supply all your need to His people. Implied in this blessing is this humbling truth that we begin with. The Philippian church and Hope Protestant Reformed Church. The church is needy. You are needy of yourself. You have all kinds of needs. Even needs you're not aware of. You are very needy. Don't forget that. Paul is making sure to remind them, the Philippians and the Spirit is making sure to remind us of that this evening. You are needy in every respect. There is never a point in time when you can say, now, now, just for one moment, maybe I don't need God to supply my needs. I, I have it. I have enough now. God can pause for just a, a millisecond no all your need paul says that means not only every kind of need but absolutely all your need god shall supply but implied must supply or as paul said in another place in him we live and move and have our very being we are utterly dependent on God for every single breath, every single heartbeat, every moment of faith, every ounce of mental, spiritual, emotional, physical energy, every second of focus that you can have in a worship service to pay attention to the sermon, that's a need that you have that God must supply. We're so needy, so needy. We even need God to help us understand how needy we are. Because we cannot comprehend just how needy we are of ourselves. One of the main callings of the Philippians, remember, was rejoice. Not just rejoice, but always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. How's that coming? You're needy. You need His help for that rejoicing. One of the callings that was repeated in Philippians was stand fast in the Lord. Not just stand fast, but stand fast together, remember, in unity. Together stand for the truth of God's Word. And you and I, in hearing that exhortation, we know we failed in that in many ways. Hold forth the word of life we've heard. That is, don't just defend the truth, but show it forth to others in your witnessing And we know we're needy in that. Press toward the mark that is growing a life of sanctification. We know that race that we're supposed to run, we've often stumbled and fallen during that race in pressing toward the mark. I need, I need, I need desperately, my God, to supply the need to obey His callings. Spiritually, I need that need for spiritually bankrupt I am of myself. But not just spiritually. All your need. That includes physical, emotional, mental. As soon as God would withhold emotional strength, the most stoic, And what we might take as the strongest emotional man in this congregation will melt in a pool of tears. The moment God withholds mental strength, there will be a mental fog throughout your life. The moment He takes away strength To believe as we consider this morning, you will fall to unbelief. You will lose your faith. You will forever live in guilt the rest of your life. You need Him. We need Him. With the abundance that we have, that He does supply to us, often unconsciously, we too often imagine ourselves not needy We're young perhaps as a young person athletic smart and we think i don't need him with respect to my health my 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 grades we've made some money and that actually applies very directly in this text because paul's talking about money in the context we feel financially stable and we think, I, I don't need him with respect to my money. And the f- fact of the matter is, oh yes, you do. As soon as he withholds for just a second, you will go bankrupt. The economy will crash. You will have nothing. If he chooses at any moment to withhold your athleticism, you will fail. You will get hurt. You will break all your bones. You will lose your mental ability. He may, He is able to take all things away from us, materially, physically, emotionally. In fact, beloved, one reason, He gives you and me any trial in life, where He does withhold what we may be accustomed to having, where He does take away something materially, where He does take away something physically, where He does bring us low in sickness, or even when we fail spiritually, or the church fails, And He makes us feel that desperation and that helplessness as we are in our lowest times and states and conditions. The reason He brings us down there into that valley that each of us have experienced before is so that we learn this lesson. The first lesson we bring up in this text. You are needy far more than you realize, is so that we learn to actually sing from our hearts that second stanza of 187. Needy and sorrowful to Thee I cry. So that we're willing to admit it before Him. So that we stop going around, acting, as we too often do, to our neighbors, our fellow church members, as though we're strong, we're in control, we got all this together. We're willing, we're willing to our brother and sister in Jesus Christ to show our vulnerabilities and to acknowledge, yes, don't think I'm strong. Of myself, I'm needy, very needy. And the more we recognize this truth, and the more God humbles us to recognize this truth, you see, the more we will cherish this promise of God. My God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The promise, secondly, includes this, not only that you're needy, but it's by Christ Jesus, especially, that He will supply your need. That's the most important phrase in verse 19, though familiar, very familiar to us, Jesus Christ, by Jesus Christ, that is an important, the most important part of this text. God shall supply all your need by Christ Jesus. And the closing verse, that brief blessing that reiterates what is in verse 19 and verse 23, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, bring, be with you all, brings up the same concept. It's by Jesus Christ that God supplies all our need. That it is by Jesus Christ means, first of all, that He is the basis or the reason, the ground for God's supply of all our needs. For the sake of Jesus Christ, He supplies all our needs. You see, beloved, we don't deserve any of our needs supplied. We've no rights to any of our needs supplied, though we often take them for granted for granted and imagine them as our rights, because He gives us so much. We think we deserve it all, but we don't. We're sinners who deserve nothing. We deserve to have all our needs sucked up out of us and to perish everlastingly in hell. But this is the grace of God toward us in Jesus Christ, even though we're sinners. Christ Jesus has come to earn that right that all our needs be supplied. From eternity, God has looked upon us in this Savior. And then in time, He has sent Jesus Christ to humble Himself, to take on our human nature, our soul and our body, to live a life of perfect obedience and then to suffer and then to die on that cross. And it's because of Him, you see, see, in Him that we are favorable in God's sight. He looks upon us in Jesus Christ with unmerited favor. That's the grace of verse 23. And because of Jesus Christ, He supplies our need. And that means that this promise is, and this blessing is not for everyone. It's not for everyone in this whole world. It's only for those who are in Jesus Christ. Those who have Him, those who have been elected in Him, and those who are joined to Him by faith. But our text means more than that. When it says, by Jesus Christ, and God will supply all our need, it's not only that Jesus Christ is the basis or the reason for God supplying all our need, but also this that Jesus Christ is the agent. He is the one to bring, to give to us our every need. Father God gives to Jesus Christ everything and says to His Son, Now, You, my Son, You are the one that gives to all of my children their every need. By Christ Jesus literally is in Christ Jesus. Remember that preposition from this morning. In Christ Jesus, that brings to mind that bond of faith. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. We see this again and again through Philippians as we did in Colossians 2. Joined to Him, Jesus Christ from on high, causes there to flow through the bond of faith as a vine causes to flow to the branches, all of our need, grace upon grace, He continues up in heaven to supply it. By Christ Jesus. Do you have spiritual needs? How about that spiritual need of contentment That we recently considered. We all feel that need. And by Christ Jesus, remember who has all contentment, God gives us that which we need. Do you need help fighting your besetting sin? By Christ Jesus, He gives you the supply of that need. You need forgiveness. The assurance that that sin that bothers you every night as you go to bed. How you see all your failures. You can't forget them. Your gross sins of youth. Not just sins of youth, but that which arises in your heart again and again. Do you need that forgiveness? Look to Jesus. It's by Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, that God supplies all your need abundantly. That's the promise. You're needy. Desperately needy. By Christ Jesus, He supplies your need. And now He does so abundantly. That's the promise. Abundantly. That we get from those words, according to His riches in glory. According to His riches in glory. the Precious part of this text. According to His riches, first, means that God will give, by Christ Jesus... To supply our need in proportion, in proportion to the riches that He has. What He gives us will be consistent with what He has. The measure that we receive will be like the measure that He possesses. That's the point of this text, and to bring that out, it's important to understand the difference between what this text says, according to His riches, and then this phrase, a different propositional phrase, out of His riches. The promise is not out of His riches. The promise is not God will supply by Christ Jesus of His riches or from His riches, we're out of his riches, but according to his riches, we're in proportion to them. To illustrate, think of a multi-millionaire, a billionaire, maybe one of the businessmen in New York City, a CEO of a great company. And let's say he wants to give a donation to a poor farmer out in Ohio who he he knows is suffering poverty, is in great need. And if this multimillionaire were to give out of his riches or from his riches, which is not what the text says, then that would not necessarily be saying very much, because this multimillionaire could drop a few dollars in the pocket of the farmer, and that would be true of that phrase. He gave out of his riches. Or even if he just dropped a few hundred dollars to that farmer in Ohio that would be out of his riches or from his riches he has millions and billions and he took a few coins that's not what this text says rather according to his riches and proportion to his riches and so that would mean that the millionaire would take that poor man and make that poor man his friend and, and give to that poor man his inheritance so that that poor man would become a millionaire himself in proportion to the riches, that would be the idea of that prepositional phrase. But here's the main point. Beloved richer than any millionaire, multi-millionaire, in all the multimillionaires put together in this world is God. He owns all things, the cattle in a thousand hills is his. He is the owner of it all. of everything in the world, he says, mine, and not just physical things and material things, but spiritual things that we need. All the blessings in heaven. And the promise is this, not simply out of my riches, God says, not simply from my storehouses do I give you a few pennies, a few dollars, or even a few hundreds, but out of my riches, according to my riches, I supply your need. How amazing. That means God the Father. Takes us to our enemies, poor, poor enemies in our poverty of sin, and he makes us his sons and daughters, his friends, and he says, What's mine is yours. I give you everything according to my riches. And now you understand those two words or two phrases that are connected. That word supply and in glory. In glory does not refer to heaven primarily. Promise is not God in heaven one day will supply you your riches. Though no, that's true too. But the idea is now, now to his people. He will supply his riches gloriously. That's the point of the text. Glory refers to the bright splendor of all of God's riches. All of His spiritual riches, that is. All of His virtues, His righteousness, His holiness, His wisdom, His goodness, His power, His mercy, His grace. All my riches are such, He says. Gloriously shining forth so that if you were to stand before this glory of God, you would be blinded by how magnificent, how radiant His riches are. And he says, though your physical eyes can't see it, I am right now supplying to you such glorious riches. And the word supply means not merely give, but fill up. Take the cup of your need. Picture your need as a cup within your soul. And God says, I don't simply put drops to supply your need, but according to my riches and glory, I cause your cup of need to overflow. I fill it up and let it run over. And that's the promise. In the context, Paul was talking about how the Philippians were liberal givers, how they had given liberally to Paul and to others. And Paul had commended the Philippians for the liberal giving, but now as he closes, he says, You know who is a more liberal giver than you, don't you? Don't ever forget that. Don't ever marvel at yourself. The very reason that you can give is exactly because God is the liberal giver who gives to you first. He is the one who out of his riches and glory has supplied all your need. He gives you everything. You are like that prodigal son. Needy, poor, in the pigsty even. Bankrupt and wandering there again and again, squandering so often with your sin what He gives you. And yet, like the father of that, par- of that parable, God still again and again embraces you and says, I'm still yours. Christ Jesus is yours. And my inheritance, my riches in glory is yours. Which brings us to the major application. God shall supply all your need. Back to the word need. That word need indicates not only that you are needy, but it explains the character of that which God supplies. What does God supply? Your need. And in hearing that promise, some of you are doubting that promise. You're doubting the truth of that promise because you claim, God has not supplied all my needs. Look at all the needs I have. And you perhaps have a list of things that you feel you need. So remember this. He doesn't promise to supply all your wants. It's not the promise. Not all your wants. Not what you like. I say your cup can be pictured as that of having a... Your, your heart can be pictured as that as having a cup labeled need. There's another cup in our heart that we can think of labeled want. And we often confuse the two. God says, I don't promise to fill up your cup of want, what you like, but I promise to fill up your cup of need. And the child of God who listens to that promise knows by faith, Indeed, indeed, He has supplied my needs richly even in glory. If we find ourselves doubting this promise now or at any time in our life, imagining that God is not supplying our needs, then it's very probable that we have confused our needs and our wants. For as we saw in that sermon on contentment, if He has given us Jesus Christ, then we have everything and more that we need. Regarding need, also recognize, beloved, that often we don't know exactly what we need. We often feel like we know what we need. And we convince ourselves even. I've not confused those cups. I know what I know this is not just a want. I know this is a need. We convince ourselves of that. A need more time and energy today to get this job done at work. I need this sickness to go away. I need this controversy to stop. And all all those are good desires. But sometimes God says, you have to understand, that's not what you need today. Matthew 6, 8. The same word is used there. Your Father knoweth, what things you have need of before you ask of Him. You see, your Father knows very often that what you and I need is exactly sanctification. A trial where he withholds from us what we feel we need to conform us to be more and more like unto Jesus Christ so that we learn contentment, so we see in Christ Jesus everything, so that in your weakness you are made strong. So that there's a strengthening of your faith which is far more precious than of gold that perisheth. 1 Peter 1.7 Your Father knows your needs. He knows them better than you. And so understand the promise from that perspective. He who is wiser, who understands your needs better than you, According to his riches, supplies all your needs by Christ Jesus. Your needs as office bearers, as you have to take on duties and cases that you might not think you have the wisdom and strength to. I supply your need by Christ Jesus, God promises. Where is the supply I need, you ask? for tomorrow. And God says, no, my grace is new every morning. Grace enough for today. I supply your need today. And then tomorrow, when you think that you're empty and you have nothing left in His time, which is just the right time, he supplies the need again so that you might utterly rely on him for that supply. This is certain. It is sure. Paul emphasizes the certainty of this promise in different ways. First, the future tense. God shall supply all your need. The future tense does not indicate that God will only in the future supply your need, but not now or not in the past. No, He has supplied it in the past. He does supply it now, and He will continue. That's the promise. That's the construction of a promise. There's certainty because God, the God who doesn't lie, gives that promise to you, His people. Another way He emphasized the certainty of this promise is by the word, Amen. Notice the word amen in verse 20. The promise of verse 19 is not separated, as some of your Bibles might show it, from verse 20, The doxology in verse 20, but they're connected. And when the word amen comes at the end of verse 20, it is about both the promise and the doxology. Amen. It truly will be. It shall certainly be. Amen. And then, when he reiterates this promise or blessing in verse 23, Paul adds another Amen. It shall truly be. He is emphasizing the certainty of this promise that God's people may, with faith or by faith, be sure of it. The text is not merely a wish of Paul, but it is a blessing. Paul, as an Apostle of Jesus Christ, as a representative of Jesus Christ, speaks this promise as a blessing. Very similar to what you see at the beginning of the worship service and at the end of the worship service. You will see tonight. He raises his hands. My God shall supply all your need. And when God's people read this and hear this and see the symbol of that, They are supposed to think. Jesus Christ raises His hands. Jesus Christ, the Savior who has earned all blessing, now pours it forth as He raises His hands in heaven unto us. That's how sure it is. Jesus Himself speaks it. And what He says is done. To help the Philippians in this certainty, Paul makes it very personal. Notice the word or the pronoun "my. My God shall supply all your needs." We can't miss that. Now the people of God can have certainty without that pronoun "my." If it was simply, "God shall supply all your needs." you know Jesus Christ blesses you, and you can be sure of that by faith. You don't need the "my." But Paul now adds the my to make a personal touch to this promise and this blessing and to help God's people to increase in certainty. And he means by the word my this. Dear Philippians, I'm needy too. I might be an apostle of Jesus Christ, Paul says, but I'm weak. I'm sinful. I'm nothing of myself. I'm an earthen vessel. In fact, I was was persecuting the church and I was persecuting Jesus Christ Himself. That's how great my need was. And then Christ caused the light of His glorious gospel to shine abroad into my heart. And He supplied my need of salvation. He gave me the forgiveness of my sins. Oh, how great those sins were. He worked in me sanctification and faith so that though I am less than the least of all the apostles, He supplied my need and enabled me to preach that gospel which I am not worthy to preach. To defend that gospel against false teachers and to keep my head up even in the roman prison and to confess to me to live as christ and to die as gain and paul is saying god has supplied my need by the grace of god i am what i am and my god who has supplied my need is your god as well. And if He has supplied my need, then He will supply yours. He speaks as a representative of Jesus Christ, as I do tonight, but He also speaks personally. To help in that certainty, to confirm this promise. I testify to you, beloved. I'm needy. As your minister, as your pastor, I'm a sinner. You might not see my every sin, nor am I to boast of all my sins. I'm a needy sinner in need of forgiveness just as much as you are, more. I need His grace every day, every moment. I need His grace to make every sermon, to preach every word to you. And He has supplied all my need. Beloved, my God is your God. And if you have seen any little bit of evidence of God supplying my need, that is, if you have seen any bit of good come forth from me to you, then no, it is not me of myself, but my God who has supplied my need is your God, and He supplies yours according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And Paul adds to confirm it. not only do I say this, my God shall supply all your need, but in the greeting, he says, all the saints salute you. All the saints in Rome, all the people in the church out there in Rome, say the same thing, he is telling the Philippians. We... The saints in Rome, especially those of Caesar's household, we have experienced the grace of God. God has supplied our need. What Paul says now echoes through the rest of this text so that the people in Philippi Philippi, hear the hundreds of people that were in Rome. Yes, yes, God has supplied our needs too according to His riches. All our needs. He supplies the needs of all the saints in all the world according to his riches. And if he has, and he has, he will supply yours as well. Of Caesar's household, that is of the most unlikely of converts, perhaps soldiers of Caesar's house, hard soldiers, God had supplied their need in His grace. And so will supply yours. Why? What's the goal? Don't miss this. Pay attention all the way to the end of the sermon and series for His glory. That's the goal. That's God's goal and ought to be ours. God does not supply our need so that we become the center of the world or view ourselves as such. It's not that God the Father supplies all our needs like an earthly father spoils his child. so that he thinks the purpose in the end game is to fill the child up. That's not the purpose of God in filling our needs. This is not man-centered theology. It is not to make man God while God serves us. To say that God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus is to say that He does so for the purpose recorded in verse 20. So that unto God and our Father, Be glory forever and ever. God's aim, that is, in supplying all your need, is so that your hearts may praise Him now as He supplies your needs and through eternity as He deserves. It is not for your glory, it is not for your self satisfaction ultimately but for his glory when the philippians read this letter and came to the conclusion of this epistle and they truly believed the word of god and this promise that he would supply all their needs their hearts by faith did not respond this way they did not respond this way this way what an amazing apostle paul was and all paul is glory to him no Glory to God, who supplies our needs. When Epaphroditus delivered this letter as Paul's messenger, people did not conclude what a good speaker Epaphroditus was. love how he read that epistle and explained those points we needed to understand. Glory to Epaphroditus, no. It was glory to God. When the believing saint at Philippi heard this letter, he did not conclude. You know, we as a church here at Philippi, we're doing a good job following everything that Paul told us to do. Glory to us, the church. I say to you, beloved, the end goal of this epistle and the preaching of this epistle And of your lives as He supplies all your need is not what a good Apostle Paul is, what a good church we are, what a great preacher Epaphroditus was, where this man standing up here is. For then, the name of God is blasphemed by our glorying of man. The goal of God is not accomplished. Let that never be. He supplies your need. He has. He will. That you may give him all the glory. Not to yourself and not to man. Glory to God the Father. Even our father," the text says, "Father who takes us his children dear, to give us all we need, that we as his children by might magnify that father today and evermore. is that your goal? Is that your desire? Not your happiness, first and foremost. Not just so that I get what I need, period. But I want God to supply all my need that with His strength I may bring forth praise. Then the closing, amen. Should be yours in your heart. For the amen means I'm sincere. I'm confident that his promise is true. I'm sincere that his goal is my goal. The glory of Father's name in the name of Jesus Christ alone. Amen. Let's pray. O God, our Father, O prodigals, prodigals who stray again and again from thee. And thou dost turn us that we might be turned, and doth embrace us in Jesus Christ. And doth raise thy hands in a benediction upon us in Thy Word. In this worship service, we recognize that in Jesus Christ, joined to Him, we have everything. And because of Him, we are supplied our daily needs far more than we even realize Thou hast, Thou art, and Thou will, according to Thy riches. We know this promise for sure We have already tasted the fulfillment of it in so many ways. Give us faith to continue believing thy promises and make our goal, thy goal, with the glory of thy name. We confess with thy word tonight. And in this book of Philippians, thou hast supplied all our need. Amen.